Over the years, I've had great regard for this wonderful university. Certainly this institution has made a mark already, and uh, it's been my observation that not only in athletics, but also in law, finance, all of the subjects that you're taking, they are outstanding. So I hope that you will always take your university training seriously. The church has uh, invested sacred resources in this university, and especially for you, the students. What happens here is important to the brethren, the church, and the Lord. We're hopeful that those who walk upon these, this sacred ground will be an influence for good in their homes, in their communities, and throughout the world. There is greatness here. You can feel it. Who knows what literature, law, science, invention, insight, research, and art will follow from here? Who knows how the world will be blessed as a result of your efforts and inspiration? One of the reasons you will achieve great things is because you will not be alone. The Lord is waiting to open the windows of heaven and magnify your righteous endeavors. He will bless your homes and your relationships if you'll come unto him and serve him. He will take the talents and abilities you possess and magnify them in marvelous ways. In order to come unto the Lord, we must communicate with him through prayer. There may not be a commandment uttered more frequently than that uh, when it lifts us up and lifts our hearts and our voices in prayer to our Heavenly Father. Pray always, the Lord has commanded us, in these latter days, and I will pour out my Spirit upon you, and great shall be your blessing. The Book of Mormon teaches, you must pour out your souls in your closets and your secret places and in your wilderness. The Apostle Paul teaches that we should pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. Jesus the Christ, our exemplar, often prayed to his Father. If the Savior of all mankind felt such a need to supplement, supplicate the Father, how much more should we lift up our voices in prayer? Every person here today lived at one time in heavenly realms. We walked with our Heavenly Father. We knew him. We heard his voice. We loved him. And although we were eager to enter mortality and continue our progression, we must have regretted the separation that would accompany. We, we must have sorrowed that a veil would cover our eyes and the bright memories of our lives would be poked in forgetfulness, forgetfulness of mortality. How we must have yearned to stay close to our Heavenly Father. How we must have covenanted to ever reach after Him and commune with Him. Undoubtedly, our separation from the Father was softened when our Heavenly Father promised that as we sought after Him in prayer, He would reach towards us. Now we are here, our memories of our pre-existence are dim and dark. We have forgotten those things supposed we could never forget. Unfortunately and tragically, we sometimes even forget our Heavenly Father, whom we love so dearly. May I ask you today to consider the effectiveness of your prayers. How close do you feel to your Heavenly Father? 
Do you feel that your prayers are answered? Do you feel that the time you spend in prayer enriches and uplifts your soul? Is there room for improvement? There are many reasons our prayers like power. Sometimes they become routine. Our prayers become hollow when we say similar words in similar ways over and over so often that the words become more of a citation than a communication. This is what the Savior described as vain repetitions. Such prayers, he said, will not be heard. Our beloved prophet, President Gordon B. Hinckley, has observed that the trouble with most of our prayers is that we give them as if we were picking up the phone, telephone and ordering groceries. We place our order and hang up. We need to meditate, contemplate, think of what we are praying about, and for then speak to the Lord as one man speaketh to another. Do your prayers at times sound and feel the same? Have you ever said a prayer mechanically? The words pouring out as though cut from a machine? Do you sometimes bore, your, bore yourself as you pray? <laughs> prayers that do not de demand much of your thought will hardly merit much attention from our Heavenly Father. When you find yourself getting in a routine with prayers, step back and think. Meditate for a while on the things for which you are really grateful. Look for them. They don't have to be the grand or glorious. Sometimes we should express gratitude for the small and simple things like the scent of the rain, the taste of your favorite macaroni and cheese recipe, <laughs> the sound of a, of a loved one's voice. Thinking of things we are grateful for is a healing balm. It helps us to get outside of ourselves. It changes our focus from our pains and our trials to the abundance of this beautiful world we live in. Think of those things you truly need. Bring your goals and your hopes and your dreams to the Lord and set them before Him. Heavenly Father wants us to approach Him and to ask for His divine aid. Explain to Him the trials you are facing. Set before Him your righteous desires. Our prayers can and should be focused on the practical and everyday struggles of life. If we are commanded to pray over flocks, then why should we not pray, pray over our finals? If we should pray over our crops, then why not other important challenges we face? Some believe that the more eloquent a prayer, the more effective. Too often these prayers are not so much meant for the ears of the Almighty as they are for the ears of the audience. Do you want to commune with the infinite? Then approach him in reverence and humility. Don't worry so much about uh, whatever your words are, whether they're polished or not. Worry instead about speaking from your heart. In faith, set before him your righteous desires and your petitions, knowing that he will hear you. Another reason many prayers have little power is that they lack faith. We approach our Heavenly Father like a child who asks something uh, of his parents, knowing they will refuse. Without faith, our prayers are merely words. With faith, our prayers connect with the powers of heaven and can bring upon us increased understanding, hope, and power. If by faith the worlds were created, then by faith we can create and receive the righteous desires of our heart. What is faith? Faith is absolute confidence in that which is 
in absolute conformity to the will of heaven. When we combine that confidence with absolute action on our part, we have faith. Faith without works is dead. Sometimes we expect Heavenly Father to answer our prayers. When all we have, when all is done and said, we utter a prayer. The doors of heaven will be closed to those who hold out their hands, waiting for the blessings of heaven to drop from heaven upon them. The legendary football coach, Newt Romney, implied the same principle when he said, I found that prayers work best <clears throat> when you have big players. The powers of faith are activated by action. We must do our part. We must prepare. We must do all that we can and all in our power that will be, will be blessed for our efforts. Prayer is a private matter between you and our Heavenly Father. Both He and you know when you have done what you can. Do not give up a thought as to whether or not your best compares with others. In the eyes of Heavenly Father, that doesn't matter. When you have absolute confidence in things that are in conformity to the will of God and you act with all your power to achieve them, then will you, then will you ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it will, shall be opened unto you. Perhaps one of the great challenges the Church faces in our day is that of prosperity. President Brigham Young said, The worst fear I have about this people is that they will get rich and forget God. This people will stand mobbing, robbing, poverty, and all manner of persecution and be true. But my greatest fear is that they cannot stand wealth. Close quote. President Ezra Taft Benson added, this particular test seems like no test at all, and so could be the most deceiving of all tests. Do you know what peace and prosperity can do to a people? It can put them to sleep. On the earth are some potential spiritual giants whom God saved for some 6,000 years to help bear off the kingdom triumphantly, and the devil is trying to put them to sleep." Close quote. Prosperity can deaden us to spiritual things. It can give us the illusion of power. When we're sick, we can go to a doctor and be healed. When we're hungry, we can feed ourselves. When we're cold, we can get warm. In short, most of the problems of life we can solve ourselves. We can answer many of our own prayers. Because of the relative ease many have in acquiring their daily bread, they can become deceived into thinking they are saviors unto themselves. In their pride and foolishness, they feel they have little need of a Heavenly Father. They think little of the power that created the universe or of Him who gave His life that they might live. In the Doctrine and Covenants, we are warned of those modern-day idolaters. They seek not the Lord to establish His righteousness, but every man walketh in his own way and after the image of his own God, whose image is the likeness of the world. Such men fulfill the prophecy of Paul, lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Man has ever worshipped the things he loves. That which we love becomes our pleasure. 
and our treasure. And when that treasure is the wealth, pleasures, and praise of the world, is it any wonder that the heavens are closed to such prayers? Those who worship the things of this world will one day yield to their riches and plead with them, O oh, save them. In that day when they will learn boldness of their God and realize the terrible error of their ways. Another reason our prayers have, have little power is because we fail to succor those in need around us. The Book of Mormon teaches, If ye turn away the needy and the naked, and visit not the sick and afflicted, and in part of your substance, if ye have to those who stand in need, say unto you, do, do not have any of these things. Behold, your prayer is vain and availeth nothing. Our willingness to aid those in distress around us has ever been the benchmark of the disciples of Christ. Indeed, the Savior taught that our very salvation depends upon the level of our compassion to others. We love to talk the doctrine of grace how, because of the atonement of the Savior, we can be saved. In spite of our weakness, our sin, our failures, if our hearts are humble and pure, and we repent in spite of our weaknesses, we know it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. In the end, we are all beggars. We cannot merit the blessings of eternity. We can only do the best we can, cleave under the Spirit, and depend upon the grace of a merciful Heavenly Father and His blessings. How like unto this is our response to the poor and the distressed? In like manner, they plead with us, directly or indirectly, for, or for our succor. If we turn our backs upon them, can we in turn suppose that our Heavenly Father will be merciful to us? As we are to those in need, so our Heavenly Father will be to us in our time of need. In the Old Testament, we read that David was one who understood adversity and the uh, need to rely upon his Heavenly Father. As a youth, he faced and conquered the giant Goliath. Afterwards, the jealous King Saul sought to take his life. David fled with a small band and was constantly hunted by the king. During day or night, his life was in jeopardy, and through this experience he understood his dependence upon his Heavenly Father. In the 37th Psalm, David reveals an inspired process for active prayer and faith. It is a step-by-step -step process that may serve as a pattern for us to follow as we seek to increase our faith and improve the efficacy of our prayers. Fret not is the first step. Fret means to worry or to brood about something. The first thing we must do is stop worrying. When we worry about the future, we create unhappiness in the present. Righteous concern may lead us to take appropriate action, but worrying about things we cannot control can paralyze and demoralize us. Instead of worrying, focus on doing all that you can and then leave the worrying to your Heavenly Father. If your heart is right with Him, He will take care of the worry and the fear. We must learn to fret not. The second, stop, uh, the second step is to trust in the Lord. Why should we trust in Him? Because He is our loving and all-wise Father in Heaven because He is the giver of all good gifts, because He knows us and wants us to be happy. 
successful and to return to him. God is in his heavens. He is perfect. He loves us. I remember many times my dear mother trusted in our Heavenly Father for my safety. I played quarterback at East High School and running back at the university. During all that time, don't think my mother ever stopped praying for my safety. She trusted in our Heavenly Father and depending on Him to protect me from major injury during the games. Although I had my share of bumps and bruises, I never had a major injury. I suppose my mother breathed a sigh of relief when I told her that I was going to leave the football field for a season. I met with my beloved bishop, Marion G. Romney, who later was a member of the First Presidency of the Church, and expressed a desire to him to serve a full-time mission. But that short, worry-free season soon ended when I was called to serve in the German-Austrian mission. Three months after I arrived in Salzburg, the mission was changed to the Switzerland-Austrian mission. The year was 1937. I arrived in Salzburg, Austria at the very time Hitler was amassing 300,000 troops on the border for his Anschluss, or his invasion of Austria. How often my, my mother and father gathered the family to kneel in prayer morning and night and plead for my safety. I do not know how often, but I'm sure it was every day. What I do know is that I felt the influence of those prayers. I trusted my Heavenly Father would hear their prayers. I trusted in my prayers that he would preserve my life. A month before Hitler invaded Austria, I was transferred to Switzerland. My testimony is our prayers has been, my prayer was answered. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. We read in the scriptures, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. The third step is to do good. We do good because we are followers of Christ. We do, we do good because we're members of his church. We do good because we have made solemn covenants to serve as a light unto the world. Our Heavenly Father expects our actions to serve as a living testimony to our words. As we do good, the Lord can bless our efforts. This is not to say that we must never make a mistake, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Lord requires that we seek him with humble heart, that we repent of our sins, and that we continue to do the best we can. As we make mistakes, we should learn from them and strive not to repeat them. As we do so, we become more, more ever more like Christ-like, uh, Christ -like, even more as men and women of God. As our actions contradict our professions of faith, our prayers become weak. When we do good, the Lord can work through us and magnify our efforts. The fourth step is that we delight in the Lord. What a wonderful doctrine. Instead of worrying or grumbling that our prayers have gone unanswered, we should delight ourselves in the Lord. Be grateful. Be happy. Know that the Lord, in his time, will bring about all your righteous desires, sometimes in ways uh, that you don't predict, but we could possibly and possibly have never foreseen. What a wonderful recipe for happiness and peace. Those who delight in the Lord even in the times of adversity will carry with, their, with them through their trials an inner and abiding peace. The next time you are tempted to grumble, think of this passage and instead delight yourself in the Lord. Your step will be a little lighter 
your worries a little less, less oppressive, and people may even want to be around you. The fifth step is to commit thy way unto the Lord. No matter your worries, commit yourself to keeping his commandments. Brethren, honor your priesthood. Sisters, cleave unto the principles of light and truth. The sixth step is to rest in the Lord. Sometimes the hardest thing we can do is to wait. The Lord has his own timetable, and although it may frustrate us, his timing is always perfect. When we rest in the Lord, we allow him to work his will for us in his own time and in his own way. Rich blessings are promised to those who pray in this manner. Thou shalt dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. The Lord thy shall give thee the desires of your heart. He shall bring to pass, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as, a, as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Prayer is the way we communicate with the infinite. It is a time of gratitude, a time of introspection, a time of emotion, sorrow, joy, enlightenment, and peace. The more time we spend in righteous prayer, the more our beings will be filled with light. And if your eye be single to my glory, the Lord has promised, your whole body shall be filled with light, and there shall be no darkness in you, and that body which is filled with light comprehendeth all things. The more our souls be filled with light, the more we become like our Father in heaven. The more we are capable of feeling the fruits of the Spirit. This light grows within us, often slowly. It banishes the darkness of this mortality. It sets to flight fear and doubt and all desire to do evil. It fills the soul with love, peace, and unspeakable joy. The challenge of this mortality is to come out of the darkness into the light. Through prayer, the light of the Spirit gets distilled upon us, line upon line, precept upon precept, until, as President Brigham Young taught, the Holy Spirit opens the vision of the mind, unlocks the treasures of wisdom, and we begin to understand the things of God. Close quote. The things of God can only be understood by the Spirit of God. The Apostle Paul teaches that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish, foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. In the Book of Mormon we learn again and again people who fell away from the light and embraced darkness because of unbelief they could not understand the word of God, and their hearts were hardened. As we commune with our Father in heaven, with humble prayer, our hearts receive the gentle outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That which is of God is light, the Lord tells us, and he that receiveth light and continueth in God receiveth more light, and that light groweth brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Those who do not save this light ever struggle with disbelief. They cannot understand the things of God because their souls have little light. On the contrary, as our souls become filled with light, we begin to understand clearly that once were dark. Of all of the examples that I know of, the prayer of the Prophet Joseph Smith, after he had read that first uh, verse in uh, James, uh, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, 
The Prophet Joseph, as a 14-year-old boy, was so enlightened by that wonderful verse in James that he prayed to his Heavenly Father. And uh, as you know, at first he was nearly overcome by Satan, but finally he loosened himself. And at that time, a bright light came, and our Heavenly Father and His beloved Son appeared to the Prophet Joseph Smith. The question the Prophet had, or the young man had, which of all the churches should I join? The answer was, none of them. And so from that time on, it was Joseph Smith, the Prophet, who organized through the divine revelation of the Lord and His Heavenly Father, and establish the kingdom of God here upon the earth. Certainly, millions of people have been blessed because of that one verse in James. I hope that each one of you will always read that verse and follow its admonition. President Lorenzo Snow writes such a, uh, such an experience. Some two or three weeks after I was baptized, he said, I began to reflect upon the fact that I had not obtained a knowledge of the truthfulness of the work, and I began to feel very uneasy. I laid aside my books, left the house, and wandered around through the fields under the oppressive influence of a gloomy, disconsolate, indispensable cloud of darkness it seemed to envelop me. I had been accustomed at the close of the day to retire for secret prayer to a grove a short distance from my lodgings. At that, this time, I felt no inclination to do so. The spirit of prayer had departed, and the heavens seemed like brass over my head. At length, realizing that the time had come for secret prayer, I had no sooner opened my lips in an effort to pray than I heard a sound just above my head of rustling of silken robes, and immediately the Spirit of God descended upon me from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, and all the joy and happiness I felt no language can describe the almost instantaneous transition from a dense cloud of mental and spiritual darkness into a refulgence of light and knowledge, as it was at that time imparted to my understanding. I received a perfect knowledge that God lives, that Jesus is the Son of God, and the restoration of the holy priesthood and the fullness of the gospel. That night, as I retired to rest, the same wonderful manifestations were repeated and continued to be for several successive nights. A sweet remembrance of those glorious experiences from that time to the present bring them fresh before me, imparting an inspiring influence which pervades my whole being and I trust will be to the close of my earthly existence." Close quote. My brothers and sisters, such spiritual experiences are available to all who come before their eternal Father with a broken heart and contrite spirit. One of the things we must do in this mortality is chase away the darkness. We must fill our souls with the light of the Holy Spirit. The rich blessings that can come in, into our lives through prayers available to all. The poor have as much access to the rich as the rich. The movie star has no advantage over the laborer. We are all equal in our ability to approach the throne of our Heavenly Father, who is the King. The Lord does not care whether we are smart, rich, talented, famous, or skilled. He loves us because we are His children. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, the Savior tells us. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him 
and will sup with him and he with me. As we approach our Heavenly Father in the name of Christ, we open the windows of heaven. We can receive from him truth, light, and knowledge. Prayer is the doorway through which we commence our discipleship to things heavenly and eternal. We will never be alone so long as we know how to pray. I leave you my witness that our Heavenly Father lives and answers prayers. Jesus is the Christ. The Prophet Joseph Smith restored the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. This church today is led by a prophet of God, President Gordon B. Hinckley. I am not alone in proclaiming these truths. Through the power of prayer, millions of people throughout the world add their voice to a growing chorus. God speaks to man today. He directs his church. It is my earnest desire that members of the church will re-examine their own life through the context of prayer, that we may ever lift our voices to our Heavenly Father and fill our souls with celestial light is my prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.